Welcome in to our 2022 American League Central Roundtable. So excited to have this crew here tonight. We got Tigers. We got Guardians, the debut of the Guardians. We got White Sox. We got Twins. We got Royals. The whole division is here. And uh, it's a crew in here. I mean, we're, we're ready to go. We've been waiting through the lockout. I know everybody's super excited. We got a, a great show for you today. So we're going to talk today about offseason, who we think is going to win the division, farm systems. It's all coming for you on today's episode. And I do want to start by asking everybody, what are you most excited about for the 2022 season? Scott? Uh, I mean, not being the worst team in the division, honestly. <laughs> I mean, finally finally having a, a, like, hey, we're supposed to be relatively competitive. I think that's really uh, the entire city for, for Detroit is just like, hey, we're finally not ex- like going into a season. We're like, hey, we're probably going to lose 100 this year. Like, just a nice little change of pace, even if you don't think we're a playoff team or whatever, just – the sheer fact that that we're actually supposed to be relatively competitive deep into the summer is is fun for a change. Scott Bentley locked on Tigers, locked on White Sox, defending Central champs. Nick, what are you most excited for in twenty twenty two? It's defending our our division championship uh, in the history of the Chicago White Sox. We have never gone back to back division champs. Um, however. Uh, this fan base, this team, uh, we want so much more. Uh, we'd like to win a playoff series. And, um, you know, we're, we're kind of banking on health right now, and we can get into that at another time. But uh, Sox fans, and myself uh, especially, are looking forward to a healthy Aloy Jimenez and a healthy Luis Robert, uh, get them to play 150-plus games uh, and, and, and play deep into October. Ryland. From Lockdown Royals, Ryland, Bobby Witt, man, we'll get to him today. I'm sure you're excited. Is it Bobby? Is it something else? What are you most looking forward to in 2022? Yeah, it's got to be Bobby Witt Jr. I mean, having him come up, having him be kind of the star of the the franchise, the face of the franchise, something that Kansas City hasn't really had, a, a guy that's just a bona fide star. He looks to be that, plus the addition of uh, Nick Prado eventually this year and kind of the, the young prospects coming up, and just this team kind of looking more competitive than it has in the past. So that's all that the Royals looking forward to right now is Bobby Wood Jr. Jeff Ellis, Lockdown Guardians. I mentioned the debut of the Guardians. Group looks somewhat similar. Jose Ramirez is, is the face, I guess, in the last couple of years. But what are you most looking forward to in 2022, Jeff? Is it to watch J-Ram just continue to mash? There'll be some exciting hot dog races. Um, <laughs> you know, put your money on mustard. And In all seriousness, uh, I'm looking forward to the – you know, for as much as we all kind of make fun of the Guardians, they've really stockpiled a ton of young talent. Uh, I spent all last season talking about the 40-man crunch. And in terms of just minor league depth, we'll get into like, they don't maybe have the stars at the top, but they might have the deepest system in the Central. When you're going like 20 deep and it's legitimately everyone is a prospect that is expected to make some kind of uh, impact in the majors at some point and like eight to nine guys this year. So Steve Kwan, uh, if you know, give a shout out to one of our sponsors with uh, with Bet Online. It's like if you want a dark horse rookie of the year, like you know, Saros wrote about Saros over at the Athletic wrote about. He's the guy I want to see. I mean, he put up numbers that were unbelievable in terms of like how hard it was to strike him out with his high slugging percentage and and stuff like that. And he's undersized, and there's all the reasons he shouldn't be effective. But he had honestly one of the best seasons any hitters any hitter had in the minors last year. Uh, statistically right up there with any big name you want to talk about. And he's all of like five, seven 
and was like a sixth round pick, but he came from Oregon, uh, Oregon state, like a huge program for production. So he's kind of the guy to watch out, but in general, just the, the next wave of youth that's going to hit this year. I always say there's nothing more exciting in baseball than a top prospect. Right. And you know, that Nick from watching all the Sox guys come through Scott, you know, been watching Casey Mize and, and Tarek Skubal and all those guys come up. I think for me, as it's been every year, guys, can we get 130 games from Byron Buxton? That's what excites me, the possibility of that. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Big offseason for some of the clubs in here, for our clubs. Royals last year, Carlos Santana, I remember, made some noise. Andrew Benintendi this year, a little bit quieter. I know Hunter Dozier, the extension last year. Uh, Rylan, what do you think of the Royals offseason when you look back? Yeah, I think that looking back on the offseason so far, the only move that they've made has been practically trading Mike Miner for Amir Garrett and Zach Greinke. Uh, obviously, the trade was only for Amir Garrett, but you cleared up enough money in that trade to go sign Zach Greinke and bring him back. I think that Zach Greinke, admitting that he's going to take a leadership role and help these young pitchers who have struggled so far in their career after all of their hype coming into their careers – is a big deal. I think that's a massive win for, for the Royals and, and, and having Zach Greinke there, teaching them how to be a professional pitcher and teaching them what it's like being in MLB and, and being a Cy Young winner and all that kind of hunky-dory storybook stuff. The offseason in general, uh, I would consider a win for the Royals just because you improve the bullpen a bit with Garrett and Garrett brings a different mindset, a, a different edge to the Royals that they just don't have, uh, frankly. And then you get Grinky back in Kansas City, which will sell tickets and also uh, help your young pitchers who are the backbone of this rebuild. If these young pitchers do not turn their careers around, this rebuild fails and you're going, going to go back into another five, six, seven year rebuild. So it's massively important that, that these guys get on the right track and Zach Grinky can help that. Scott, one of the more active Tigers off seasons we've seen certainly recently. They bring in Eduardo Rodriguez. They bring in Javier Baez. They bring in Michael Pineda, big Mike from Minnesota. Definitely going to miss him in the rotation. What What do you think of the Tigers offseason, and what's your grade? Uh, I mean, it's got to be a, a A- minus at, at worst, I guess. I mean, this is a, a, a huge offseason, especially looking back on what the last, what, half decade – of Tigers off seasons have been. I mean, Robbie Grossman last off season was the first non one year contract. We gave a free agent in half a decade. So, I mean, that's since the 2016 off season. So I guess just short of that, but uh, I mean, going in and, and going consistently one year deals. Oh, we got finally a two year deal. Right. And it, and I love Robbie Grossman to death, but like, you know, still Robbie Grossman. And, and finally then getting to an off season where, you know, we, we went out, we got an ace for this rotation. Erod is absolutely going to be the opening day starter and, and going to be the ace for this year. Uh, we had the worst shortstop situation, I would argue, in all of baseball the last three years. Finally got that taken care of. Got one of the better shortstops in, in the sport. Um, and along with, uh, you know, doesn't really count, I guess, with the parameters of the off season, but now we're going to call up two of the five or six best prospects in all of baseball as well this season. So you take a team that had a win total in the high seventies, right? 77 wins. And you're adding four impact players uh, on opening day, assuming green and Torkelson make the roster out of camp. You're instantly adding that. And, you know, Tucker Barnhart for what it's worth, one of the best, better defensive catchers in all of baseball also, uh, brought in. I mean, I, I think that this is a, a 
like I said, you're adding four, maybe five impact players on a team that's win total was in the high 70s last year. So I, I, I'm very, very excited for this season. And this is one of the better off seasons we've had uh, probably since Mike Illich passed away, honestly. Nick, I do want to ask you first. We'll we'll uh, we'll break down a little bit more of what happened in this division. Twins adding Carlos Correa, Sonny Gray, trading away Mitch Garver, Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela added to the roster. A lot of turnover with the Twins, the Tigers. Scott told you additions. Really excited about Ryland. Zach Greinke's there. Jeff, the Guardians, man. It's just there haven't been a ton of additions in the off seasons. Uh, I know Eddie last year, and I know you've been calling for them to to improve this team. Nick, in some ways, the White Sox outside of the bullpen haven't seen much activity. Kendall Graveman brought in, I think, one of the more underrated relievers moves to the bullpen now has been outstanding. They bring in Joe Kelly. What's your perception of the offseason for the White Sox? Uh, Rather incomplete. Um, uh, You know, it's tough to put a grade on it. You know, after the Sox were bounced uh, by Houston, our general manager, Rick Hahn, in early November, talked about, you know, there, there's holes. There's glaring holes if we uh, need to get better, and we have to do the work. And we as fans, uh, we don't we don't see that work being done. It's been very a confusing offseason. They picked up Kimbrell's uh, $16 million um, option. Uh, Han was very transparent, which he never is as a general manager, talking about how Kimbrell has got value, but it might not be on this club, yet he's still on the club uh, right now. Uh, The Sox targeted starting pitching right fielder and second base, and we're still looking for that right fielder. Uh, There really hasn't been any movement with starting pitching. They brought in Vince uh, Valesquez to maybe help out as like a, you know, a sixth uh, arm swing guy with Ronaldo Lopez, you lose Rodon, and you're going to ask Michael Kopech, who only threw 70 innings out of relief last year, to step in uh, to the rotation. Uh, Dallas Keuchel's not getting any younger. Uh, there's a lot of questions still. If we were going to go all the way, uh, which that, those are the expectations, not only win a playoff series, but uh, win the AL pennant. Um, and I, I don't think we're there quite yet. Uh, you know, okay, you, you got brought, you brought Josh Harrison in. Uh, that's fine for second base. Uh, yeah, Graveman kind of replaces Tapera, uh, and Joe Kelly. We'll see if he's healthy enough. I, I think he is. He might not uh, give us much at the beginning of the season. Uh, but what I, I think uh, we as fans are saying, you know, you you see the finish line. You've put in all of this work during the rebuild. You've announced these uh, issues in the off season but you didn't go out and address it. And right now we're dealing with uh, potentially our right fielder being a combination of Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn, who are natural first basemen, and they're trying to turn them into right field. So uh, we've got some issues here on the South side. Jeff always feels like, you know, Nick mentions the outfield always feels like Cleveland is just like an outfielder or too short. You mentioned a lot of guys are coming. You mentioned Quan and, and hopefully they can fill that out. But to me, in recent years, one or two additions, I feel like, could do so much for them offensively. And it just – they won't take that step. That's my perception. What's your response to that? You know, they just keep rolling it back. Uh, it is essentially the exact same roster from a year ago. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, any – I mean, Brian Shaw was a big free agent, and they just gave him $3 million to come back. And that's – I mean, I, I did two shows talking about the overpay there. They haven't done anything. Like that's just the truth of the matter. They, you know, I go back to, cause I've 
you know, someone could have gotten rich if, you know, you put a counter on how many times I talked about the 40 man, they're packed full. Like they just moved two guys to the 60 day disabled list who are minor leaguers, which they've never done. Uh, we assumed they'd be active in the trade market. And all we heard was, well, we finished, you know, second or third and all these things. I, they need help at first. They need help at catcher. They need help in, you know, conceivably both corner outfield spots. Now, Quan, we're hoping we'll fill one. But I mean, the, truthfully, it's like they didn't set like uh, they hit the snooze bar and then just slept through the offseason. They have literally your four additions. Luke Maley is a backup catcher, bringing back Ryan Shaw. Sandy Leon is a non-roster invitee who's probably going to make the team due to injuries. Then uh, Aniel De Los Santos, who's another non-roster invitee. So they haven't done anything. It's just, there's no other way around it. They have kind of sat out this off season and now we're going to see what they can do. Rylan, who won the off season in the American league central? I'd say the twins cleared up a ton of money and got Carlos Correa. That's huge. I think that, you know, there's no bad outcome for the twins. So I'd say the twins won it just for the simple fact of either Correa makes the twins competitive and able to make a, a playoff run in the expanded playoffs or, uh, he opts out and you save money in that Dawson trade, or you just trade him in the, at the deadline and you get something for him and you cleared money in, in the long run. So I don't see any way that Correa deal could go bad. So I think that they've made the best move and also the safest move for their future. So I'm going to have to go with the Twins. Scott, I know Correa was on the Tigers radar, certainly with the Hinch connection. I was shocked. I'm sure everybody in here was shocked to see him go to a different American League Central team and for it to be the Twins. I'm still shocked. I will not believe it until I see him in a regular season game wearing a Twins unit. I think it's crazy. Scott, who won the offseason in your mind? Uh, you know, you sound excited about the Tigers. Do you believe they got – they they improved the most this offseason? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I Like, I'll be a homer and openly a homer. I, I think the Tigers had the best offseason in the division. I think the Carlos Correa signing is the best move within the division this offseason, but offseason as a whole, um, I, I, I think it's it's pretty comfortably the Tigers. Again, like you're 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 taking a team that has, has been a, a bottom dweller for, for half a decade and, and took a step forward last year uh, and brought back everyone that was important to that step forward last season. Uh, as long as bringing in kind of the the top end power and, and top end talent that they lacked. Uh, I, I think you're you're talking about a team that that could in turn go from one of the worst teams in baseball in 2020, and then two seasons later be in the playoffs or at least very close to the playoffs, and and that's a, an unbelievably quick and impressive turnaround. I think a majority of it has to do with this past offseason. Nick, do you agree? Yeah, you know, we see a lot uh, or saw a lot of Javi Baez, uh, you know, with watching what he has done on the north side of Chicago. And, and that's a big signing for Detroit. Uh, Detroit is a team that we as Sox fans have been looking over our shoulder. We know what's coming in Detroit with with their arms and the things that they've added, not to take anything away with what the Twins have done. Listen, the Twins scare us and have always scared us uh, going back to, you know, the Ozzie Guillen days of him managing. And so we're always we're worried about the Twins. We're worried about uh, now the Tigers and what the Tigers have done without losing. And, and those arms uh, getting, a, you know, a little bit more mature, uh, seeing more pitching at the big league level, understanding uh, what hitters are trying to do 
and and what they can now do to hitters. Seeing seeing the central again is only going to make those arms better. So we won the division by what thirteen games last year. It's going to be a close race. Jeff, who won the offseason in the central? Well, you know, I think you just come down to the Twins and the Tigers. I think if you're making a list of like top off seasons, they're both in the top five. Uh, you can go either way. I feel like with those two teams, uh, if you want to lean one way or the other, uh, I, you know, it, both saw needs and address their needs. And I mean, I'd probably give a little bit of an advantage to the Twins just because, I mean, I love the fact that they're always listening, you know, that they kind of made a trade and then got lucky enough to convince a team to, to take on Donaldson because of an like they were just always in motion and they were willing to adapt on the fly. So I probably give them the slight edge, but I think there's no wrong answer when you're talking about those two organizations. Yeah. Everybody makes good points. I think I agree with Jeff both ways. I think the twins are a starter short of having a, a truly great off season in my mind and not just a starter. They came in needing two frontline starters and a starting shortstop. Sonny gray. We see as a number two, and then they added Carlos Correa. They checked that box with authority, but they're missing that other frontline starter, and that's not a, a small hole to fill. They needed to fill that, and they did not. So, uh, yeah, Tigers-Twins, I, I agree with all of you. We talk about the White Sox. I think the White Sox at this point in time, I agree with Nick, probably at the height of their powers in terms of payroll flexibility. You have these extensions at lower numbers right now. This should be the time they are pushing more chips in, and we hear from Nick that he doesn't feel and White Sox fans don't feel that they're doing that. But I think I still feel that they are the class of the division, that they are the clear favorite in this division. And I'd be willing to hear otherwise. Let's start with let's start with Rylan on this. Rylan, who's winning the Central in 2022? I'd be stunned if it wasn't the White Sox. I mean, I do like the Tigers' uh, new look team and all their prospects coming up. I think they have the best manager in the division. I like the Twins moves, but... To win the division, I think it's going to have to be the White Sox. Other teams might make a playoff run in the expanded postseason, but the division is the White Sox to lose. Scott, he's high on the Tigers, man. Is this the year? Do they? Is it? Is it one and done for the White Sox in the Central? I I would love nothing more, but uh, I I still do I still do think that it's the White Sox division until proven otherwise. Um, at, at the end of the day, two of our biggest uh assets that that we're bringing in are going to be rookies and i think that the ceiling for what torkelson and green can provide down the road are unbelievably high but you know how much are we really expecting in the rookie seasons um my school manning all of their either first or second full seasons it's still such a young team that while i do a hundred percent and fully believe in the future and i i fully you know, believe in the direction. I think that we, we could be heading into an era where the Tigers are go back to, you know, the early 2010s when it was ours every year. I, I think that that could be around the corner. It would be a lot more difficult because the White Sox are, are young too and, and just a much better division than it was then. I still think we're probably a year away from, act, from seriously giving the White Sox a run for their money. I, I think at the end of the day, uh, that, that, Everything. I mean, the bullpen is significantly better than anybody in the division. The The lineup is still cream of the crop. The starting rotation is still great. Uh, it's it's still the White Sox division to lose, even though I, I am a big fan of the Tigers uh, finishing second this year. Well, I think the feeling was the Twins in 19 and then 2020, 
we always knew. And Nick, I like I like this point Nick made about seeing the Tigers in your rear view. That was the same way with the Twins and the White Sox. And I think going into last year, around the same win total is like. 89 to 92 preseason. I know some sites had the socks. Some sites thought the twins had the edge and, you know, it depended on, on what you read, but the socks caught up and they caught up in a big way. The twins go out and win 73 socks win the division you mentioned by 13 games. And um, now it looks like they're settling in. Nick, do you feel like that's the case? You know, I, look, this is a talented Sox team. I, I can't remember a, t- a team like this. You know, you have to go back for me, maybe 93, 94, when you're looking at some of those Ventura, Frank Thomas, Blackjack McDowell teams. Uh, you, you talk about Tim Anderson, Yohan Mankata, a healthy Jimenez and Robert. Uh, and then you've got you've got your big two, Lance Lynn and Lucas Giolito, who put on 30 pounds of muscle. And Dylan Cease was being talked about in the Cy Young conversation. So those are your three. You sprinkle in, you know, Dallas Keuchel, who's who's bringing the – he knows he needs to get better, but it's not a bad four guy to have. And then Michael Kopech and whatever he's going to bring. And then we've got a guy like Ronaldo Lopez that could help with some innings at the beginning of the year. I don't know if they're going to go six uh, starters at any point, but we've got the bullpen, as you mentioned, too. I mean, one of the more expensive bullpens in all of baseball. We'll see how that plays out if Kimbrell truly is going to stick with the, with the Sox. But, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot of health questions. I mean, the Sox uh, brought in a new conditioning coach this offseason. We had a lot of hamstring injuries. I mean, there's injuries all over the league last year. Uh, A guy like Yasmati Grandal is coming off of, uh, you know, leg surgery this offseason. You got to watch his load management. But there's another guy. If he gets hot offensively, there aren't a lot of places to hide in this lineup. Why I'm so tough on this team is, you know, if it's not now, then when to go absolutely all in. A right fielder would be great. Another starting pitcher would be great. But – uh, in this division, uh, yeah, I, I think it's definitely the Sacks to lose. Jeff, where are you at in the American League Central? I, I just think the White Sox are kind of head and shoulders above everyone. Uh, you know, when we were doing our previews uh, at that time, it's like I, I thought the Tigers were kind of second place just because the emerging talent. But, the I mean, the White Sox are just top in every category. I, I, I don't want to say I don't think it's going to be close. I think it'll be closer than it was a year ago. But they're still you know, they're excellent and they have pieces to go out and make a trade. Like I, I almost expect the White Sox and Guardians to make another second baseman trade this year, like they did a year ago. Like, you know, Ahmad Rosario, Ahmed Rosario, I should say, is gonna end up like playing second for the White Sox before the year is done. It's, it's something like that is is likely to happen. Uh I think they'll plug their holes, maybe not with the biggest of names like they did a year ago, but I, I just I have faith and they still have a better minor leagues than people give them credit for as well. It's not like they're completely stripped barren after all those years, which I always look for who has ammunition to go out and improve. They still have that. I agree. I'll take the socks. It's painful, but I'll take the socks this year to win the division. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that bullpen's nasty and I think the lineup can be really good. I agree with you, Nick, this, the American league is a lot better. And even in, in our conversations, you know, the Tigers and Twins having nice off seasons. I think both teams will be better than they were last year, hopefully, for the Twins and for the Tigers are better. And Well, for the Tigers winning 77, but more than 73 for the Twins. But the whole American League, I mean, the Blue Jays are going to be tough. Yankees are always tough. The Red Sox are going to be tough. This, it's it's going to be tough out there. The Mariners are getting better. The Astros are still good. 
So every win's going to matter. And there might be a little bit of cannibalism in this division. And for the White Sox, it's going to matter how many games they win. You don't want to be stuck in that, you know, that first wild card round, kind of rolling the dice on a three game series. You'd much rather have that buy into the division series, I think is how it's going to set up this year. Uh, but all those wins are going to matter for the White Sox. So I'm scratching my head too, Nick. I'm with you. Why they're not trying to get every single win they can at this point. Talk about midseason trade shifts. I'm glad Jeff brought that up. And I want to start with my midseason most valuable trade chip in this division. I think he's on the Twins. And I, Rylan mentioned, I think it's probably Carlos Correa. Uh, if the Twins have a first half like they did last year, you know, he's opting out after this year. 90%, 95% unless he's unless he's hurt. So I think Carlos Correa is probably the most valuable trade chip. I, when I ask this, I want I want us to also think about who is attainable. Jose Ramirez, his name's got he's been thrown out there a lot. To me, I think it's much more likely that Correa moves on a quasi one-year deal than it is that Jose Jose Ramirez moves uh midseason. You might disagree with that, Jeff, or others in here, but for me, it's much more likely. So I'll go with Correa, and I want to ask Jeff first, who do you think is the most valuable midseason trade ship in this division? So I'm, I have conflict, I'll be honest. Uh, Jose Ramirez makes sense as a midseason trade ship. Uh, the one thing we can't count about is supposedly we have minority ownership coming in. It's going to eventually become majority ownership, and that the talk is they're taking 35% of the team but we don't have anything announced yet. Uh, if we really knew for sure that they were coming in, I would say Jose Ramirez is off the table because that's not, it's a very toxic relationship with this fan base and the current ownership group. It is, inc- it's the most toxic I have experienced in my 40 years as a Cleveland sports fan. And, you know, most people know about the toxicity of Cleveland sports. <laughs> we can just leave it with that. So it's bad. And I don't think a new ownership group would want to start on the wrong foot. Uh, but that being said, you know, they, the everyone brings up Francisco Lindor and how they trade sold traded him off too late. Well, part of that was because of the COVID year and what was going on. I, their, their MO is the trade at 18 months out. That would be midseason. Uh, if we don't get a new official minority ownership announcement, I do think he is tradable by the end of July. And I think with his contract and I mean, he's got the highest war of any third baseman over the last five years. And the only players with higher war as an offensive player over the last five years, I believe is, um, Mike Trout and Mookie Betts like that's he may not get consistently put in that conversation and that's maybe because he plays in Cleveland but like Jose Ramirez is legitimately one of the five best hitters in baseball and you know I I will plant my flag there and say that if it's not him uh, in this division you know just internally I, I think Correa is probably the only other person that really stands out it feels like everyone else is kind of moving upwards and onwards so it's harder to find those trade ships Ryland, someone who comes to mind for me is Whit Merrifield. I know we've talked about him a lot in recent years. Uh, what's that contract situation looking like? I, I don't know how many years away he is from free agency, but I know the Royals have kind of shot that down. And at times it felt like it might be best for them to move on from Whit Merrifield. Uh, certainly, I think in 2019 and maybe again in 2020. But what do you think his availability is? Do you think he's the most valuable in-season trade chip in this division? Yeah, I think for Wit, it would take the Royals just being disastrously bad in the first half, like unbelievably bad to trade Wit. I think that this this franchise still wants to sell the fan base on 2022 being competitive, 2023 making the jump, and it's harder and harder to do that if you trade a guy like Wit Merrifield. 
Uh, obviously, he's a free agent in 2023, so we'll see what that holds in terms of re-signing him or trading him. But I think a more realistic tr- trade ship would be maybe an injured Benatendi because the Royals are going to go to arbitration with him. They usually don't go to arbitration. That could get messy, and he's a free agent after this season is over. So you can see where they would kind of have the stars aligned to trade him. Carlos Santana, Hunter Dozier, those guys aren't really good players right now. If they turned it around and the Royals were not competitive, trading those two guys would be an option as well, although they're not really flashy names. But Witt will always be the kind of headline name. I just don't see it happening unless they're just awful this year and on the verge of losing 100-plus games. Hard for me to see the White Sox with clear trade chips. A, because they've extended all their stars and they're in the middle of a winning window, and B, because I think their top prospects – if I'm not mistaken, are, are younger and guys they probably want to build around in the future, like Colas and, and others they've signed internationally. So, Nick, is there anyone on the Sox who could be up outside of Kimbrel? But even if he has a great first half, why are you trading him away? Yeah, Kimbrel is, uh, you know, he's going to be a, he's a future Hall of Fame reliever, right? And we just, we were really confused at what we were getting with him. Um, uh, last year, you know, Hendricks is our closer and Kimbrell looked like he just could not fit into that eighth inning role. Um, talking to a lot of fans, it was really a mental thing uh, with Kimbrell and he could be a guy uh, abs- absolutely that we flip. But if he doesn't get the correct innings or if he doesn't get uh, the management that he needs to showcase himself uh, for that opportunity, well, then he's going to be useless. Um a guy that I, you know, we've got a couple guys, Berger, that if you package them up with a few other names, you might be able to pull something off. But as a standalone name, it's really a Keg, Craig Kimbrell. But again, we have to see what he can do uh, for him to have value at all. Scott, anyone come to mind in Detroit? I think, again, tricky to me. Yeah, no, it is tricky. I think, um, a lot would be determined on how successful the team is, right? I mean, this is, uh, if we had a, a catastrophic start, which I don't think really anyone expects, I'm pretty confident in, in saying that at this point, on uh, the first half of the year, then, uh, I, I mean, I, I guess there's a universe in which, like a, a Jonathan Scope or something was traded on an expiring deal. Robbie Grossman's now on an expiring deal. Um, you know, something along those lines, if we really did feel like we were completely out of it already before uh, the all-star break, but I I don't really expect this team to be in a position to buy either. So like, I I really feel like this is a stand pat year, even with those two guys on, on expiring deals. Uh, I, I, I don't know, like this front office has yet to make any trade of, I, I think period involving, any prospects like we have not moved a single prospect in about half a decade so uh i i think that i i'm not confident that even if we were in buy mode that it would be like that aggressive um and on top of that i, I don't really think we're in the business of selling anymore either so i i, I agree I, I think looking elsewhere is probably <laughs> in the division is probably the best way to go when it comes to Defining trade pieces, I, I think Correa is pretty much the obvious choice there if you're looking across the whole division. Unfortunately, guys, a lot of early first-round picks 
in this division in the last handful of years. Twins first round pick in or the first pick in the draft in 2017. Tigers and Royals have had high picks. The White Sox have had high picks. It's happened a lot, and people like to rip on the Central, but, man, we're on the come up, and I'll keep saying that. Which farm system do you guys think is most set up to succeed in the future? For the Sox, they've graduated a lot of guys. Jeff mentions they still have a lot of talent there. Ryland, the Royals, Asa Lacy, Bobby Wood Jr., the best prospect in baseball. Certainly a lot to, have, lot to look at there. Scott, Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson whole lot to like and then Jeff mentions a super deep guardian system and I think for the twins but league average is a system a lot of starters in the uh, upper minors that are ready to go and I think will hopefully contribute this year but who do you guys think and I'll start with you Jeff the prospect guy former scout if, if I'm not mistaken there who do you think has the best farm system in this division well it comes down to what do you like depth or blue chip talent um, you know the the Royals and the Tigers have more of that blue chip but you know, I, I'm a firm believer, you know, in other sports, trading down is good. And I think in Major League Baseball, just having a depth is more important. So I I lean towards the Guardians. You can call me the homer in this case. I will say, you know, if you look, Keith Law last year had their farm system ranked second in baseball. Um, they've gotten a lot of top 10 ranks and just it, it goes for days and they know what they do well and they target those players. It's like I remember on draft day this past year, I got a text from a scout. It's like, where do you think the guardians are going? They always keep their mouth shut. We can't get anything. And we're nervous. They're going to go for our guy. I'm like, look for the college pitcher with a strikeout rate under three or a walk rate under three, a strikeout rate over 10. And then in 20 rounds, they drafted 17 of those guys, 16 out of those guys out of 21 picks. Like they know what they do and they develop it well. And that's why like the next set of arms is sitting there in triple a ready to come up and join them. I have a feeling Rylan and Scott will disagree. Rylan, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's between the Royals and the Tigers. I think that the blue chip prospects are how you kind of sustain yourself and become good teams as small market teams, especially in Kansas City, where you're not going to land any of the top guys. I will say that the that the edge, I think, right now goes to the Tigers because we have seen more of them have success right now and uh, more have that label as kind of fresh and new because the Royals have brought up Daniel Lynch. They brought up Brady Singer. They've brought up uh, Chris Bubich. They've brought up Jackson Kohar. And they haven't taken off as those blue chip guys just yet. And maybe they never will. So I think that that's why the edge goes to the Tigers right now. Obviously, the Royals do have Bobby Witt Jr., who's supposed to be the best prospect in all of baseball. They have MJ Melendez, who's supposed to be elite, and same with Nick Prado. Uh, but we'll see how the Royals actually fare. I've put the Royals two and the Tigers at one, but it's very close. Nick, if we had this conversation two years ago right now, it would be consensus White Sox. Where are you at today in this division? Which farm system do you think is best set up for success in the future? You know, Sox fans have been, uh, again, looking at Detroit, uh, not only for what they have on the Major League Ball Club, but what they've got in their farm system. And, uh, yeah, the Sox, you know, we're, we're out of that we're out of that window, that conversation. We've got some international guys, uh, Colas and Yolki Cespedes, and uh, that's been kind of our, our thing as of the last few years is going the international route. And we took some arms in, in the last few drafts and we'll, we'll see, you know, we got a guy that's hurt right now, but we'll see what happens. But, you know, a lot of our top 10 uh, picks over the last few years you know, they're on other teams and we don't have any uh, homegrown talent in the starting rotation right now. So uh, it, when you have it, it it's great. 
but then it's like, what do you do with those prospects? How do you manage that to on the field wins at the big league level? And uh, we are keeping our eyes closely on, on what Detroit's doing. So I'll go Detroit. Always fun. And we all have experience in this, certainly, because at least, I mean, Cleveland less so, but at least one of the last five or six years, our teams have been terrible. So we, we know what it's like to, to prospect watch and see how those guys fare at the major league level. And I think, Scott, for you, a lot of excitement in uh, Motor City for Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green. And I, I, again, I think you are going to pick the Tigers. Am I, am I mistaken? No, no. I, so I, I think the key with the way you, you phrase that question is, is set up for success in the future. And with what the Tigers currently have in their major league system and what holes are left, it's very intentional. The holes that they have left in, in the major league system are very much where we have talent coming through the minors, right? So I think it's really just set up to, to perfectly match the puzzle pieces of, of that. And, and I think it's it's pretty comfortable that, that the Tigers farm system is in within this division the best setup for its team success in the re, in the near future um as everybody is aware riley green and spencer torgelson uh but then even a lot of people were really impressed with the 2021 just this past year's draft uh as as kind of and you know it's early and a lot of those kids haven't even played yet obviously but um as just kind of a, a nice refreshing hey you know we didn't just get a, a top five pick and that's the only talent we got out of this draft you know this is actually a whole draft where kids are being ranked w within the top 10 of the organization already Dylan Smith is a huge addition uh and, and we're in the international market for the first time in my entire life like Dave Dombrowski could not have given less of uh, of an anything about the international signing market and now we, we are starting to see, you know, the last three international periods, we've broken our own signing bonus, like the team's or signing bonus record of, of bringing in prospects like that, signing guy like Compost is, is a guy people are super excited about, et cetera. So uh, this is not only do we have the top end talent, but uh, over the last two calendar years specifically, they have really filled out the rest of it as well. I mean, Alex Fiedo, a former, you know, the ace of one of the best rotations in college baseball history. Like he's probably going to get some experience out of the bullpen coming off of Tommy John this year. There, there's just, there is a lot more than just that torque and green. And, and I think that that is what gives me confidence in the farm that even two years ago with Mize, Manning, Scooble, you know, green, I didn't have as much confidence in, but now I, I, I kind of do because we're starting to add that depth along with the, the blue chip talent, as you said. This might not be the National League East, folks, but I am comfortable and confident in saying this division has the best systems because I believe the White Sox, it's it's a little bit of, a, of a, an illusion because, I mean, Luis Roberts was a prospect a year ago, right? So you graduate those guys, and then all of a sudden your your farm system drops, but those guys are actually in the majors, and they had just graduated. And I understand that's how it works, but sometimes that can be a little bit of a, of a misconception. And the other systems in here, at least in the top half, if not in the top 10, in the, in the Tigers and Royals and, and Guardians as well. So, guys, thank you so much. It's going to be a fun year in the AL Central. Hopefully, I mean, we've been saying this. I think I've said this on the podcast for three years now in preseason, like, this is going to be a better division this year. I actually believe it this year. And I think we all believe it this year. 
Uh, going to be a ton of fun, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, let's chat soon. Absolutely. Sounds good. Sounds good.